Good morning and welcome to the first Sunday of Lent. This morning's scripture lesson is from 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 6 and I will be reading from the Tyndale translation. The scripture follows the more familiar story of Elijah's contest with the prophets of Baal in which God prevails. Details of what happens after that contest are a bit gruesome, and those passages are not easy to read. However, we now pick up the story with our scripture reading. When Ahab told Queen Jezebel what Elijah had done and that he had slaughtered the prophets of Baal, she sent this message to Elijah. You killed my prophets, and now I swear by the gods that I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow night. So Elijah fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a city of Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and sat down under a broom bush and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, he told the Lord. Take away my life. I've got to die sometime, and it might as well be now. Then he lay down and slept beneath the broom bush. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat. He looked around and saw some bread baking on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate, drank, and lay down again. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. About eight years ago, the Peters family went on a great big epic road trip. It was actually the first thing we did after we moved to Flint. We had been tra- planning this, this trip for months. We had made reservations long before we knew that we were going to be coming to Court Street. And so we actually had to call the bishop and ask for special permission to go on this trip, even though it meant that we would arrive at Court Street a little bit later later than ordinarily would have happened. The bishop said it was okay, we could go. And so, and so we hit the road and we, we drove west. And when I say that this was a great big epic road trip, here's, here's what I mean. On our, our journey together, we went to 13 states. We visited 26 national parks and monuments. We put more than 9,000 miles on the car. And, and every single day of that journey, we were making memories every single day. We were having adventures. We, we camped out in a covered wagon at the childhood home of Laura Ingalls Wilder. That night, a tornado came through. Not a lot of people can say that they, they rode out a tornado in a covered wagon, but we can. The Peters family, family did that. We, um, we walked around. We got to hike around Devil's Tower. And, of course, as we were hiking around Devil's Tower, I was humming the song from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We... We got to hear the wolves howling in the middle of the night at Yellowstone. We watched the sunset over the Grand Canyon. Every, every single day on this trip, we were making memories. Every single day, we were having great adventures. There was something else that happened every single day on that trip. Day after day, without fail, at precisely 2 o'clock, we all tried to murder one another. 
It didn't matter where we were. It didn't matter what we were doing. Every day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, like clockwork, all of the Peterses turned against one another. Every day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the wheels came off the bus. If we were driving, and at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the kids would stage a revolution in the back seat, and the parents would, would start bickering with each other in the front seat until finally the driver turned up the radio to, to drown everybody out. If we were hiking, then at precisely 2 o'clock, one of the kids would sit down and refuse to go another step farther. And the other kid would say, I am done with this trip. Let's just go back to Michigan. And then one of the parents would say, I told you this hike was a bad idea. And the other parent would get real quiet in a scary kind of a way. If, if God forbid, we happened to be setting up a tent at 2 in the afternoon, then you just had to steer clear of whoever was holding the tent pegs. Day after day after day, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, everything just sort of seemed to fall apart. And it took us a while to spot the pattern. It took us a, a few days to realize what was happening. Well, when, when we realized what was happening, we had a family meeting. We put all our heads together and, and tried to figure out what on earth is going on. Why is, why is 2 o'clock such a, a nemesis for us? And of course, once we spotted the problem, it didn't take very long for us to work out exactly what the problem was. Maybe you've already figured out what the problem was. Of course, the problem was that we had such a packed itinerary. We had such a tight agenda that day after day, we kept on postponing lunch. Day after day, we kept even maybe skipping lunch. Noon would come and noon would go and we would just keep on hiking. We would just keep on driving. We could just keep on pushing so that we could stay on schedule, so we could have all of those adventures and all of those experiences. And right at 2 o'clock, our bellies would send distress signals to our brains. And our brains were so starved of calories and rest that they couldn't figure out what was actually going on. And so they went into full threat mode and told us that we needed to turn against each other. But of course, the problem was not each other. The problem was that we were tired and hungry and dehydrated. The problem was that we all needed a Coke and a Snickers and a little bit of time in the shade somewhere. And once we figured that out, it was like a different trip. Once we figured out that we couldn't skip lunch, and we needed to pace ourselves a little bit. We started enjoying all of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences. It is hard, we discovered. It is hard to have fun. It is hard to ride out tornadoes. It is hard to do what you set out to do if you are tired and hungry and dehydrated. And in our scripture reading this morning, we've got the story of somebody who can relate. In our scripture reading today, we have the story of the Bible's hangriest prophet. Now, we've got a story of the prophet Elijah. God in the Bible calls on prophets whenever things start going downhill. Elijah is no exception to the rule. God spoke to the prophet Elijah during a time when Ahab and Jezebel were the king and the queen of the Israelites. Ahab and Jezebel were two of the worst rulers that God's people ever had. They worshipped other gods, and they set up idols and, and, and altars to those idols all around the country, and they encouraged people to turn away from God, turn away from the God who set you free from slavery in the land of Egypt, turn away from the God who loves you. Not only that, but Ahab and, and Jezebel were corrupt, and they were violent, and they were greedy. They used their power to lie and to steal and to murder their own, their own people. And finally, God said, enough is enough. 
And so God spoke to Elijah. God said, Elijah, I need you to stand against Ahab and Jezebel. I need you to call my people away from their sin and back to me. And then God poured the Holy Spirit into Elijah. God gave Elijah such a whopping great dose of the Holy Spirit that Elijah was able to work signs and miracles and wonders. Elijah had the power to call down fire from the sky. One day, Elijah saved a widow from starving by feeding her with miraculous bread. One day, Elijah even raised a child who had died from the dead. Elijah did signs and wonders and miracles like no prophet who had ever lived, and yet it seemed like all of that work was for nothing. Elijah kept on plugging away for God. He worked tirelessly for the Lord, but the people did not turn back to God. All that Elijah accomplished was to make Ahab and Jezebel angrier and angrier until finally Ahab and Jezebel decided to put a price on Elijah's head. And they sent soldiers, they sent death squads to seek out and to hunt down Elijah. And so Elijah found himself on the run, surrounded by enemies. And finally, one day, Elijah decided that he just couldn't run anymore. And so Elijah goes out into the wilderness. He goes out to the very same place in the desert where we found Jesus wrestling with temptation and confronting the devil in last Sunday's scripture reading. Elijah goes out into the wilderness, and there in the wilderness, he sees a raggedy tree. And he sits in the raggedy shade of that raggedy tree, and then he says a raggedy prayer. He says, God, enough is enough. I failed in my mission. I am completely alone. Everybody wants to kill me, and I think I'm ready to let them. God, just go ahead and take my life from me. God, I am ready to die. And then Elijah closes his eyes, thinking that he will never open his eyes again. But then something happens that Elijah hadn't expected. A little while later, Elijah feels a hand on his shoulder. And so he opens his eyes and he sees there in front of him an angel of the Lord. And the angel says, get up and have something to eat. And Elijah looks and he sees that there's a little bit of bread and there is a a jar of cold water sitting on a stone nearby. And so Elijah gets up and he eats and he drinks. And then he goes back in the shade and he goes back to sleep. And when Elijah opens his eyes again, he sees that the angel of the Lord is still there. The angel of the Lord has been watching over him while he was sleeping. And the angel says to him again, get up and have a little more to eat. And so Elijah gets up and he has some more food and he drinks some more cold water. And then he goes to sleep again. And the next time Elijah opens his eyes, he is restored. He is refreshed. He has enough new spirit within him to keep going for another 40 days. He has enough new spirit within him to do the work that God has called him to do, to complete the mission that God gave him. And that is exactly what Elijah does. He carries on with his mission. He becomes such a great prophet that he becomes the standard by which all other prophets are judged right down to the time of Jesus. Elijah becomes such a great prophet that people sing songs about the prophet Elijah. song that we all sung together in worship just a few minutes ago, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. That is a song about the prophet Elijah. The story goes that Elijah was so faithful in his service to God that at the end of his life, when it was time for him to leave this world, God gave Elijah a gift that God had never given to anyone else before. Instead of dying 
like every other human being who had ever lived, God allowed Elijah to be carried up to heaven directly in a chariot of fire. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Elijah, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, and it all was possible because an angel of the Lord met him in the wilderness, gave him food, gave him water, watched over him while he slept. It happened because God understands that it is hard for us to carry out our mission. It is hard for us to be who God calls us to be if we are hungry and thirsty and tired. I've been thinking about that angel a little bit this week. Now, this week as I've been wrestling with this story, I noticed something about the angel in this story that I never noticed before. Now, the Bible is filled with stories about angels. The word angel, it means messenger. And so angels all through the Bible story show up and deliver messages from God. And throughout the Bible, if you look closely at the stories about angels in the Bible, what you'll discover is that every time, almost every single time an angel appears to deliver a message on God's behalf, the very first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid. It turns out Bible angels are scary angels. Bible angels are not like the angels that we see on greeting cards. Bible angels are not beautiful people with long flowing robes and wings and halos and harps and things. Bible angels are terrifying to the point where every time a Bible angel appears, they have to say to somebody, hold on, take a deep breath, don't freak out, I'm here on a mission from God. But the angel in this story doesn't do that. The angel, the messenger from God who appears to Elijah in the wilderness doesn't say, do not be afraid. And Elijah, when he sees the angel, he doesn't seem to be disturbed. He doesn't seem to be alarmed. He doesn't seem to be afraid. And that raises a very interesting possibility. That raises for us the possibility that maybe the angel who visited Elijah in the wilderness was not a supernatural being, was not a spiritual messenger from God. It may be that the angel, the messenger of the Lord who appeared to Elijah and cared for him in the wilderness was just a person like you and me. It could be that Elijah's angel was somebody who just happened to be passing through the wilderness and saw a raggedy-looking man in the shade of a raggedy-looking tree and thought, that person looks like he needs help. I'm going to wake him up and see if he's okay. I'm going to share some of my bread. I'm going to share some of my water. I'm going to watch over him until I know, until I know that he is all right. It may be that the angel of the Lord in this story is simply somebody who was passing by and saw a dehydrated prophet under the tree. Maybe, maybe that angel didn't even realize that by saving one life, they were saving an entire nation. And this is what God is calling us to be a part of this year during the season of Lent. God is calling upon us. God is inviting us to be angels of the Lord. At the Court Street United Methodist Church, we believe that every person has a gift to give. And we believe that this world needs every one of those gifts. And one of the greatest tragedies that is unfolding in this world every single day is the fact that so many of those people who have been given gifts from the Lord are not able to share those gifts. People are not able to proclaim the messages that God has given them. People are not able to carry out the mission that God has set before them for the simple reason that they are tired and hungry 
and dehydrated. It is hard to do God's work when you are tired and hungry and dehydrated. It is hard to be who God has created and called you to be when you are tired and hungry and dehydrated. And this year, during this season of Lent, we have an opportunity to do something about that. For a few people, for a few communities, we have a chance. We have a chance to give thirsty people water so that the hungry people can grow food for their families. So people who have to walk a long way to get drinking water for their homes can finally have a little rest. We have a chance not just to save lives, but to transform and heal entire communities. You and I, this year, during this season of Lent, we have got a chance to be angels. Let's pray. God, give us the courage to accept this invitation. Give us the eyes of angels. Help us to see raggedy people in the shade of raggedy trees. Help us to see that those people bear your image, have been given gifts that this world needs. God, keep us from writing off any of your children. Give us care of all of your children, close to home and far away. In Jesus we pray. Amen.